0: A week ago, or a few weeks ago I should say, I turned 47 years old. A gasp was heard from the congregation. A child is leading us. He looked older than that. The hair or lack thereof. My longest living grandparent, Beatrice Moskowitz, who others called Bee, and I called Nana, Alav HaShalom died at age 83. What I gather from these statistics is that I am now definitely middle-aged. In fact, based on family history I probably should have given this sermon four or five years ago. I'm not quite sure how this happened. When did I become old? I still think of myself as a teenager. You think of me as a child, but I think of myself as a teenager. But I also know that Yom Kippur is the appropriate time for us to discuss our own mortality. So let's discuss. Have you seen that New Yorker cartoon where a man is reading the obituary page and the headline over each death notice reads, Two years younger than you. 12 years older than you, exactly your age. I think we can all relate. The really frightening thing about middle age, Doris Day accurately quipped, is the knowledge that you will grow out of it. In 1900, the average Canadian was dead by the age of 49. 50 was considered old age and only one person in 10 survived to 65 which was thought of then as extreme old age we are indeed and blessed in our generation with time beyond the years of childbearing to make all kinds of contributions to our communities and to grow and develop as spiritual beings we are blessed but for many aging feels more like a curse than a blessing Tomorrow is always superior to yesterday, we hear. Everything that's good in North America is new and improved. Have you ever heard of a product guaranteed to make you look older? (laughs) You haven't. Youth means energy, creativity, possibilities. Old is used up. This may be the modern way, but it's not the Jewish way to look at aging. Tomorrow, during our Yom Kippur service, we will read a verse from the Psalms. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. We ask God to grant us another year, keenly aware that our days are numbered. We don't ask God to make us younger. We pray that God will let us keep growing older and wiser. Sitaram Gawandi was a farmer in a village called Uti, about 300 miles from Mumbai. He lived to be more than 100 years old and was revered to the very end of his life. His grandson, Atul, became a physician and an author. His book, Being Mortal, chronicles the life of the aged, as he saw it both and sees it both as a physician and through the eyes of someone who visited his grandfather every chance that he could. In one passage, he writes the following. In the past, surviving into old age was uncommon, and those who did survive served a special purpose as guardians of tradition, knowledge, and history. They tended to maintain their status and authority as heads of households until death. In many societies, elders not only commanded respect and obedience, but also led the sacred rites and wielded political power. So much respect accrued for the elderly that people used to pretend to be older than they were, not younger. When giving their age, the dignity of old age was something to which everyone aspired. Judaism holds and teaches that a culture is judged in large measure by the way that it treats its elders. As the Torah commands us in the book of Leviticus, you shall rise before the aged and show deference to the old. How shall we be judged on this evening of the day of judgment? Where Torah says rise before the aged, we as a society, I think, have fallen down. Rather than honor our elders, too often we disregard and marginalize them. We mock their driving, their befuddlement with technology. We lose patience with their declining hearing and mobility. We dismiss their opinions as out of step and out of date. The Talmud observes the following. At age five, one studies the Bible. At ten, the Mishnah. At 13, one is responsible for the mitzvot. At 15, one studies the Talmud. At 18, one is ready for marriage. At 20, one begins a career. At 30 is the height of one's power. At 40, one achieves understanding. At 50, one is prepared to give wise counsel. At 60, one is given the deference of seniority. At 70, one is considered a sage. And at 80, well, that is the age of heroic strength. In the Talmud's vision, life is not a tragedy of decline. Rather, it is an ascent in holiness, a progression in knowledge, a growing in value and contribution. In the Talmud's view, the object of childhood is literacy, the object of our 20s is intimacy. The object of our 30s is achievement. And the object of our latter years of adulthood, of our 40s and 50s and beyond, they are of a different order altogether. They are bina and etza and zikna and sevna, understanding, counsel, seniority, and wisdom. These are the qualities of the inner life. These are the qualities of the soul. See, each stage of our life, it has its own beauty. It has its own measure of success. Growing older is not about surrendering the qualities that make us vital and beautiful. In each age of life, we gain something. We grow better with time. Each stage of life brings new qualities, the very qualities that we associate with God and godliness, learning and love, creativity, wisdom, and power. At each successive stage of life, we gain an opportunity to appropriate aspects of divinity. Growing older, we grow more godly. Now some will say, and some say to our elders, you worked hard all of your life, now you should settle down, enjoy the fruits of your labors. How many of you have heard that? You will. <laughs> if you can still hear that, you. As if time is now something that needs to be filled, as if time is something that has to be gotten over with while we while away our days on the sidelines of life, our knowledge and abilities filed away in the attic of old age. Retirement is not a Jewish concept. At the basis of the institution of retirement is the notion that life is composed of productive and non-productive periods. But the Torah and Judaism, however, recognize no such distinction between life's phases, for it sees productivity as the very essence of life. The words non-productive life period, they are an oxymoron. There are marked differences between childhood and adulthood and etc. We know that. But these differ in the how, not the when, of a person's productivity. Retirement and the passive enjoyment of the fruits of one's labors, they also will have their time and place. But it's not here. It's in the world to come. Or as one active senior put it, I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> Living longer can be both a blessing and a curse. Beyond the physical decline that eventually comes, there are, I think, four emotional challenges of aging that can be equally painful. The first challenge is loneliness. Loneliness. Many seniors have shared with me over the years that the hardest part about growing older is going to all of your friends' funerals. Dr. Brian Thomas Fletcher, an emergency room doctor, posted a case in an online support group for other doctors, and he titled it simply, The Saddest Case Ever. He wrote, 95-year-old male comes in for suicidal ideation. When asked why, he said, quote, My last friend died last week. I don't know one single person on this earth anymore. Not one. I've officiated over 400 funerals in my years in the rabbinate. I have a file on each one of them. And people died for all manner of illness and accidents. But as I scroll through those files of the widows and the widowers, that I buried alongside their loved ones who predeceased them. A contributing cause of death is invariably loneliness. The poet would call it a broken heart, the rabbi calls it a broken soul. I think of the thousands of elderly in our community and of the millions, the millions that must be shuttered behind countless doors that we drive by every day. How many of them are sitting there? in their faux leather quiners, peeking through the shutters, hoping that someone will knock on their door. After a certain age, many of us stop making new friends. We no longer find ourselves in situations that foster new friendships. Synagogue and community is one response to this challenge. Friendships are made here, in this holy place. The Talmud observes, get yourself a teacher and you will acquire for yourself a friend. Synagogue and community are the antidotes to loneliness and isolation. The second challenge of aging, I think, is grandchildren. It has been said that grandchildren are God's ways of compensating us for growing old. But some grandparents, I need to tell you, they feel like they're underpaid. (laughs) Not in money, but in meaningful moments. One grandmother confided in me that the only time she ever hears from her daughter is when she needs one of the children driven to or from an activity, or wants to vent about something, or needs free babysitting. So many grandparents have shared with me the real pain of not knowing their grandchildren, at least not in the way that they knew their own grandparents. Now, some of this is the expanse and the busyness of the modern family. We live across time zones and oceans, oceans of water and oceans of distractions. I know grandparents that join Facebook just so they can see what's going on in the lives of their own children and grandchildren. And I know other grandparents that schlep to travel sports games so they can squeeze into the busy lives of their grandchildren and their children. The emotional pain is knowing that they only have so many years to watch those children, those grandchildren, grow up. And they are doing more and more of it, sitting behind the wheel of a car or in front of a webcam on Facebook or FaceTime or sitting on the sidelines of a sporting game. One grandparent wrote the following. I want to teach him how to make pickles, just like my grandmother taught me. How to needlepoint, how to build a chair or change the oil. I want to tell her about the time I was a little girl and I made my own clothes or how to play Jim Rummy. I want to go fishing with him or show him the books that I read when I was 10 years old because I still have those books. I want to tell them about stamps and record players and how Elvis took the world by storm. I want to talk about the time that we all gathered around the TV to watch Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. Can you feel that pain and that longing? Restore the family dinner. Encourage your children to seek advice from their grandparents, not just from Google. In fact, a new approach might be, don't Google it, grandparent it. (laughs) Let our elders be our sages again, not our schleppers. Because quite frankly, they've earned it. The third challenge is that, in spite of our age, we're not done living. There is some perception that our best years are behind us, that we are too old, too slow, too impaired in any manner of ways to contribute to -to day-to-day life today. In 1995, the world-famous violinist Yitzhak Perlman gave a concert at Avery Fisher Hall in New York City. Stricken by polio as a child with both of his legs in braces, just the walk onto the stage was a struggle. As Perlman painstakingly made his way to his seat, the conductor began. And after just the first two bars, one of the strings on Perlman's violin snapped and broke. The snap could be heard echoing across the auditorium. Those in attendance expected him to painfully make his way off the stage to find another violin or a new string. But he did no such thing. Instead, Perlman signaled the conductor to begin again, and he picked up right where he had left off modulating and changing and recomposing the piece in his head, playing the symphonic work with just three rather than four strings. And as the piece concluded, the passionate standing ovation said it all. And so wiping away sweat from his brow and taking a bow, Yitzhak Perlman said, You know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. My dear friend Frank Levy, for whom we have been saying Ami Sheberach every week since I arrived as your rabbi, teaches me that all we ever have is the moment that we are in. His question as he stares down the barrel of his own mortality at the end of a chemo infusion is, if all I have is this moment, what am I going to make of it? What music can I make with a broken string? His hard-learned perspective mirrors that of Doris Haddock, who walked across the United States at age 90. People asked her why she was doing it, and her answer echoes down the corridors of senior care facilities across North America. The secret to a happy life, especially in your later years, is to help other people until you don't notice your own needs and pains anymore. And I'll give you one more example because I, too, want to show honor to my parents. A while back, my father Larry retired after 60 years in the clothing business. I know, Jew in the shmata business. Who would have thought? His retirement lasted about six weeks. And then, following a self-realization similar to that of Frank and Doris, he began to volunteer at hospitals and senior care facilities. He grew interested in the benefits that pets can bring to recuperation. And so he visited these institutions with our family dog through an organization called Share a Pet. Six years later, my dad now supervises 350 volunteers (laughs) who, like him, have found the secret to a meaningful life is to never stop doing meaningful things. If Doris Haddock can have this attitude at the age of 90, while literally walking across a continent. And if Frank Levy can spend every moment he is not in a chemo clinic volunteering for the Red Cross in New Orleans. And if Larry, my dad, a clothing salesman, can reinvent himself as a social worker, then I think that each of us can look within and ask ourselves, what more can I be doing with the time that I have? That's why today is called The Present it's a gift and we are fools to waste a moment of it. The fourth challenge of growing old is being treated like children by your own children and by society in general. The second half of life can feel like living your life in reverse. We lose our driving license, our independence, eventually our dignity. We devalue the treasures of age when we treat our elders as children when we substitute television for companionship, when we believe that card games and handicrafts are an adequate substitute for meaningful pursuits. For those who are of sound mind and body, the droning of a television cannot replace the voices of family and friends. Nor can recreation take the place of a sense of significance, of purpose, of meaning in life. We insult our elders when we believe that they only need a deck of cards or a jigsaw puzzle to be content. In the words of the late theologian Abraham Joshua Heschel, the aged need a vision, not only recreation. The aged need a dream, not only memory. For adult children caring for our aging parents, this can be easy to understand but difficult to put into practice. When the parent becomes the child and the child becomes the caregiver, we worry, we struggle, we are racked with guilt. Rabbi Dale Friedman, in her book, Jewish Visions for Aging, outlines three specific areas of concern that children face in caring for their aging parents. They are guilt, conflict, and hard choices. Guilt. Oh, that word. We never feel like we're doing enough. We blame ourselves for not adequately balancing our responsibilities or taking enough time to sit by the bedside of a loved one. And we feel that we have to repay our parents for the care that they gave us. However, we also have competing claims on our time and our resources. Children and spouses, jobs and a variety of other commitments. We simply don't have enough time or enough energy to do everything and we feel like we have to do everything. It's our parents. Conflict among family members. If we have siblings, we may disagree with them as to how we should care for our parents. We may share the caretaking responsibilities unevenly, which can lead to feelings of resentment, disempowerment, and anger. Conflicts from long ago may resurface among family members and it can be emotionally complex to care for a parent because we are so used to them caring for us. And lastly, hard choices abound. As our loved ones age, we are called to be increasingly involved in decisions that affect their lives. It can be complicated to figure out how best to care for our own parents. Do we take over our parents' finances? Do we allow our parents to continue to drive? Do we move our parents to a nursing home, to the louis Brier? When it comes to end-of-life decision-making, when do we decide to stop trying new medications and to let our parents pass on? These challenges create enormous stress. Caregiving can be exhausting and overwhelming and isolating and often depressing. And it can also be a blessing and holy work. Getting older is not some sort of disease that only certain unfortunate people catch. Even you will find yourself getting older someday. That is if you're among the lucky ones who do. Hillel's golden rule then applies here as well. Do not do to another person, read your own parent, that which you would not have done to yourself because your own children are watching And you are next in line. (laughs) The last commandment in the Torah is number 613. And it is for each of us to write our own Torah in our lifetime. Now we fulfilled that mitzvah as a congregation a few years ago. But I've come to realize that it wasn't enough. We're not done writing. The Torah that we must each write is the Torah of our lives the lessons that we have learned, and those that we must teach. And so I want to suggest a way for parents and children and everyone in between to age with purpose, to add something sacred to a process that appears to have become anything but sacred in our world today. The concept is to go from aging to saging, to restore the role of the elder of the tribe, guardians of tradition, of knowledge and history. Parents, their children and their children's children, as well as our society, needs the council of elders now more than ever. So there is a Jewish custom dating back to the Middle Ages of writing what's called an ethical will. A parent's letter to his or her children and grandchildren, offering hope and guidance and wisdom for life in the years ahead. Decades, even centuries later, ethical wills often become the most meaningful possessions a family has. Some choose to give their ethical will to loved ones before their deaths. One woman I know gathers her family together every three years and reads her ethical will, reads her Torah to them, and then begins writing another one to God willing be shared three years hence. Others write them as part of a wise aging group, a program that I hope to bring to Temple Shalom this year that guides us in a reflective process to new understandings about our lives, ourselves, and our values as we age. An elderly man was once asked why he was planting trees by the side of the road when it was clear that he would not live long enough to see them bear fruit. The man replied, When I came into this world, there were fruit trees, and I ate of them. Just as my ancestors planted for me, so too I plant for my children. As we contemplate the stark reality that we have more life in the rearview mirror than on the road ahead of us, let us once again become planters of trees. To use the time, however long or however short we have, the time we have remaining, to write our Torah. To plant our seeds of wisdom, gleaned from a lifetime of experience, so that they may bear fruit for future generations, so that our children and our children's children may eat of them and drink in their sweet nectar. So then the planting, we add meaning and purpose to every remaining day. Rise before the aged and show deference to the old. On this day of judgment, let us be judged on how we honor and treat our elders by showing them the respect and empathy that they so richly deserve and have earned. Let us renew participation in community and not isolate. Forge new friendships. Consider that age rhymes with sage for a good reason. Make a difference with each other and make a difference in each moment of our lives. And remember that the golden rule has no expiration date. As we realize that we have more life behind us than ahead of us, may we be blessed with wisdom beyond our years as we make the transition from respecting our elders to becoming one of them. Can you hear May it be God's will. Amen.